I have a few minutes today uh, to launch our new series. As I mentioned last week, we wanted to spend some time at the tail end of February here into the month of March with some conversation and um, and collaboration around family, around uh, what that looks like to build a lasting family, what that means not only uh, in the professional realm with psychologists and, and, and counselors and those that have given their lives to helping navigate healthy relationship, healthy family, healthy connection with children and parents. Uh, there is so much at stake right now in our world, as all of you know, and we want to be a part of, as I always say, a part of the solution. And I believe that as we navigate down those roads and we, we lean on those that can help in this area so much, I am for sure speaking to those who would agree, for the most part in this room, that putting God at the center of all of this is probably the most important thing. Who would agree? We have to choose uh, to look in the scriptures, uh, hear the heart of Christ when it comes to relationship, when it comes to uh, the, the message of, 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 of giving our lives to each other, serving one another in the context of relationship and in marriage and in friendship and in working environment. Uh, I think it applies in all areas. And I believe this series will apply to every single person, young or old, married, single, divorced, remarried, whatever your story is, I know that God desires to be right in the middle. And he desires to be um, helping each one of us carry this incredible responsibility of relationship. And a part of the desire to, to spend some weeks in this realm is the amount of conversations that I'm having as your pastor uh, and our team are having with those who are, are struggling in this area. Uh, we are going to touch on different points through these weeks. We're going to have some guest speakers in. Uh, the desire is to bring some very unique uh, experiences for you uh, on Sunday mornings, some interview styles at times. We're going to do uh, some, obviously some, some professionals in as well to really get practical uh, with, with building healthy family and lasting uh, family uh, with, uh, with the context of, uh, of, of being present with each other each and every day, allowing God and, and the, and really the advice of those who have given their lives to this area to be things that we're thinking about and, and working on and implementing into our relationships. But we can't go there uh, practically until I felt we started with something very, very important. And that was really the theme that we've experienced all morning today with understanding God's presence in our lives no matter where we're at. And when I think about the, as you see on the screen in front and behind me here, is our imperfect family. This to me is, is relatable to every single one of us. And if it's not, can we please set up a coffee and I want to know your secrets. 
Every single one has challenge. There is, there is disconnect at times. There is moments of where trust is broken. There's moments where we do not understand each other. There are moments where we continue to uh, wrestle through these ideas of, of, of why our children are doing what they're doing, why they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. All the years of investment, we feel like it's, has it landed anywhere that has brought tangible value to their life. Parents of teenagers, I'm sure, can relate to that moment of, of, of thought. But to me, setting the stage for this series is about looking first and foremost at some of the imperfections that we see in Scripture when it comes to the context of family and then recognizing that God is still in the middle and is present and is ready to pursue each of us no matter where we're at today. No matter where we're, where we're struggling, no matter what we're dealing with behind the scenes, I must champion this reality that God is in pursuit of each of you. He's in pursuit of your marriage. He's in pursuit of your, your relationships with your friends, with your coworkers, with your neighbors. He wants to be present and, and available and continue to um, um, remind each of us that he has not gone anywhere. Even though we might feel like we are in a season right now that things don't necessarily uh, feel the way we would like them to. To me, I look at a story in Scripture. I want to read this to us as I begin. It's a story of Jacob and Esau. Who would agree that there's, there was some dysfunction in that family? Who would agree that Isaac raised his boys to the best of his ability, but there was a moment in time where things went sideways? I don't have the time to get into the details of why, but essentially, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the story, back in that culture, the firstborn son would receive the inheritance, the blessing, the, the double portion would be handed down to them as the firstborn son. And here we have Jacob and Esau, who clearly were competitive in nature, I'm learning what that's all about in my world, raising two boys currently. But there is a very unique moment in this story where Jacob actually steals Esau's blessing. I will get to that in a few minutes, but I want to read what this is all about, and I'll give you some context after I'm finished. Genesis 28 is where we begin this morning, this is after Jacob is on the run. He is afraid. He is alone. He knows that his brother wants to kill him. He knows that he cannot go back. He feels like he cannot go back to his family because he is in a place of isolation, running from the mistakes and the manipulation and the lies that he created just a few days or weeks earlier. I read this to all of us as a context for this series. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. 
Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in the place to sleep. Just keep in mind, he's on the run right now, and he's afraid and scared and feeling alone. Verse 12, and then he had a dream, and he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give you and to, to you to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall be all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to the land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. This is dramatic language that Jacob is using in this moment. This is not a moment that just came and went. There is something that was established in Jacob's heart in this moment that my prayer today, each of us will experience as we understand the pursuit of God in our lives and how much he loves us and wants to be in the middle of everything we're about especially in the area of relationships and family and marriage and all that really is foundational in who we are and what we're about as people. Dramatic language, a moment where he, he essentially, through this dream, is recommitting his life to, to the Lord, committing his, 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 his present and his future to the things that he knew were promised to his father and grandfather and generations before. Another way that you could even explain this moment or describe this moment is the shock or the awe that Jacob was experiencing that even when I'm on the run, God is, God is in this place, like with a question mark. He's so overwhelmed that he's experiencing the presence of God when he feels like he's in his lowest moment of his life. Is God, God is actually in this place. He's asking the question and then he's having a revelation of his presence. I'm hoping that as we begin this series today that we will all be presently surprised of where God actually is in our life. Are you with me, church? I want to pray, and then we'll run through some of this as, as I introduce this today. Father, I thank you for this moment. Lord, I thank you for even the, the songs that we, that we sung today corporately, that your goodness is running after us, that your faithfulness in our lives is consistent, that you have not left us, you have not forsaken us, you have not abandoned anyone ever. That there is a truth that we can learn 
even from the very beginning of time, in these first few generations of, of humanity, where you began to set the stage of your presence, a foreshadowing of what that would look like, that you are in constant pursuit of us, and that the narrative you desire for us to know, not just with our heads, but in our hearts, in our spirits, is that you are present, and that anything that we have done or experienced or, or have been a part of, every, any mistake that we've made, any version of ourselves that we are embarrassed of, that, Father, you are ready to redeem all things. You are ready to restore and bring healing and health to our lives. And for that, we say thank you. And, Lord, I pray that as we set the stage for these weeks together, that there would be nothing but, but freedom and healing that is established with our church family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen? I want to ask this question today. Have you ever... Uh, specifically to our, our married couples and maybe those who are in relationships or understand that the beauty of significant other, I think it all relates. But have you ever at any time in the year or during your marriage been in a public setting like a mall or downtown or you're like just out with some friends and all of a sudden, you come around a corner, there's like hundreds of people around, or you walk through a place, and all of a sudden, there your spouse is in the mall, and you had no idea that they were going to be there. They had no, no idea that you were going to be there, and it's just kind of awkward, but it says a lot about a few other things we'll get to later, but has anybody ever experienced that where you've run into your spouse when you didn't think they were going to be there? Now, Cody, okay, wonderful. Thank you for the support. Uh, whether, whether you are with me or not on this, I know I actually brought this up with Devin yesterday because I was, this is funny, I, 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 we were just read, getting ready for bed and I was laughing about this and I said, remember, remember that time when, um, when I ran into you at the mall and it was super awkward and you thought that I was at work and I was at the mall and, you, and she's, she looks at me, she's like, babe, that wasn't me. And... Uh, <laughs> Should I just leave it at that? <laughs> Apparently, it was a it was a past relationship where this happened, and I and I it's been so long that I related it to her, and we had a good laugh. And I, uh, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What is is this, is I mean, we've all been there, even in the, in the context of friendship, right? Or the, the, the best one for me, and I heard some of these stories earlier this week, and I was laughing about this, where you run into a dear friend, like at the, at the airport, and you're like actually not just in the, in the lobby area, but you're ready to board a plane, and you run, and they're like, Tim, is that you? It's like, yeah, yeah. I like, well, 
what, what are you doing here? Well, it's like, well, what do you think I'm doing here? It's like super obvious. I'm about to get on a plane and go somewhere. It's kind of the obvious uh, uh, conversation that we have with people about uh, moments of awkward uh, connection and running into the people that we love and sometimes aren't too fond of, but they pursue us. Or the times when you're in the mall and you see someone you don't want to talk to and you quickly turn and then you look back to see if they're looking and they're still staring right at you. It's like, oh, hi, I thought that was you. Anybody? It happens to me often. Um, but of course, I, I, whenever I see someone I know, I race towards them. And we have great conversation. I, I'm asking this question this morning for a reason. And the, the acquaintance piece or the spousal moment where we are shocked because a particular person is in a particular place and we're just surprised that they're there. I think, I think we, all of us, would actually, and this is my point this morning, we'd actually be really shocked to, to know where Jesus resides in our life. Now, I know that we, we know from our, our, our years and years of, of, of Bible teaching and Sunday school time that, that God is omnipresent and he is everywhere and he is with us always. I get that, and our head understands that. But is there, I think we need to have a revelation that God is actually right beside us in our darkest moments. That we'd be, we'd be shocked to, to truly understand the, the love that he has for us when we have made our biggest mistake and we are running the opposite direction because we are so ashamed and so embarrassed and so overwhelmed by the, the, the mistakes that we've made. God is right there. He is pursuing you at every moment. When you turn your back on him, figuratively speaking, he's not waiting for you to turn him back around. He's running around you and coming for you face to face again. And if you turn again, he's going to do the same thing. It's this constant pursuit of, of humanity that I want us to embrace for these few minutes that we have together today. Usually, I think we have... Um, this mindset when it comes to certain spaces and contexts where we, we assume Jesus is present. We know that when we're coming to church that our assumption, maybe our hope, our desire is that we will experience the presence of God. When we go into uh, an intentional moment of, of prayer with our family or with our, our, our church community, a night of worship and prayer, we know there's an expectation but there's something about understanding that God is present every second of every day in our lives. We, we posture our hearts in certain times of the week, and we posture our heart towards him, and we posture our heart when we are desiring to be with him. But let's not forget that even when we're avoiding the presence of God, the presence is still there. It is always with us. Oftentimes in other contexts and spaces, we fail to realize that God is very much 
present. And ironically, it's those places where we don't want him to be. He's there even more pursuing our hearts. It's often when we feel displaced or broken or weak or we're wandering, wondering about tomorrow, where we're unaware and we've convinced ourselves that God is not present, but he is present. And that's what caught me with Jacob's honest words in this passage of Scripture. Jacob was, uh, to say this kindly, a bit dysfunctional. As I said, he had manipulation problems. He was, he was certainly a liar. He, uh, he, he was, had selfish motives. His ambition was to receive something that was not his. He had issues. And Jacob and Esau were very different. These brothers, uh, one, one was very hairy, uh, very strong, and, and, and uh, an outdoorsman type, uh, and one wasn't. It's kind of like the difference between Cody and I. I have no idea. Take that for what it is. I thought it'd be funny, but it didn't go over too well. Um, I was thinking more about the hairy part. I'm a little more hairy than you are. You're kind of like that sleek physical specimen over here. So, um, can I say that? Uh, he makes fun of me. I can make fun of him. That's fair. So when you think about Jacob and Esau, think about uh, Cody and I. I'm not going to say who Jacob is or Esau. It's just a fun visual for all of you learners out there that like pictures. I digress. Okay. Uh, so the boys... The boys are in this moment where one is to receive something that he is to inherit. The other one is not. Yet he takes a moment where he disguises himself as his father is losing his sight. He is ill. He's not in the best state of mind. And he is able to manipulate the moment and cook up some soup and pretend that he is Esau and he's not, and he goes in, and he takes this moment, and he robs this moment from his brother, from his family, from, from the most sacred thing in that culture, and he deceives, and he does something terrible, and whatever you want to, uh, to, to re- however you want to relate to that moment, I believe all of us have a moment where we made serious mistakes, where we took a moment and manipulated our spouse or lied to our children or lied in, 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 in a moment where we knew better yet we tried to gain something that we thought would have value yet all it did, did was create shame and guilt in our lives. We can all relate in, a, in different ways. And that, my point today is Think about your heart and your pursuit of God and a moment where, where you know that you, maybe last week or last year or 10 years ago, a moment of regret. That's what was happening with Jacob. And he stole this moment. If you want to read about his chapter 26, 27 in there in Genesis. Jacob was running as I, as I bring this up. He was running away from his family. He was dealing with shame and regret, and he was afraid. And he was not in a good place. In fact, you even read descriptively in the passage where he was in such a good place that he was using a a rock as his pillow. That's depressing. Why do we need to know this? I believe it's because it's indicative of where he was at in his life. It was very low. 
And in this passage, Jacob begins to dream of a stairway to heaven. Essentially, it was like this portal to God that that the Lord was downloading into his heart. God wanted him to know that where exactly you are is a portal to, to me to heaven. And the angels are present, and I'm present, and you have access to me at your lowest point. They were on assignment. It was dramatic. Essentially, what God was saying is that what I promised your father and what I promised your grandfather, I am going to still give to you and to your family. He was resetting his commitment to humanity in this moment. I love that. And think about how incredible this must have been for Jacob. He wakes up and he's in shock. He's thinking to himself, what is happening? And in the middle of nowhere, as we know, God meets him there. Jacob says, I didn't know that God would be here. But as I mentioned earlier, I believe this was the beginning moment where God was showing his people and giving them an understanding of something about his presence that was to come. This omnipresence, this continued pursuit of humanity. He was setting the stage at this time. God doesn't just show up in places randomly, but he is very specific of where he is and why he's there. Who agrees? Some of us have experienced that in different forms in our life, and it's an incredible thing. Jacob struggled with the same thing that you and I struggle with, assuming that God is just in the sacred place when we're moving our posture towards him and setting our and fixing our eyes upon him. And yes, he is there and he is present in those moments, but he's still just as present when we are ignoring him and when we are running from him and away from him. Oftentimes we fail to recognize that God is historically renowned for being where you are in your most painful and weak experiences. That is where God is. That is his nature. Church, that is his character. Let's think about Jacob, where you know he's thinking about how, how embarrassed he was. I've cheated my brother. He hates me. There is no way that God will ever use me again. Yet we see what the Lord does. The reality is he was given this opening to heaven right in the middle of that place. This would just be the beginning of story after story after story that we read in scripture where God would show up in the most unique times and bring a supernatural presence to people who are in their lowest moments. Dismal situations. And we find that in in certain places or social settings, whether it's our home, an environment where Some of us would have asked at at one point or another, is God really here? I want to say today that yes, God was there. And God is here today and God will be with us when we leave. And God will continue to be present day after day, year after year in our lives. I want to prove this to you just for a few minutes before we close today where there is pain and failure and weakness and drama that God will come rushing into that place in pursuit of humanity. 
Look what it says in Romans chapter 5 about God's presence and his grace. I read this from the message version. It says, all that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. But sin didn't and does not have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness that we call grace. Some of you have probably memorized this passage of Scripture in in the NIV version. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. This aggressive forgiveness is not just a concept, but it's actually the person of Jesus. That is his character. That is his nature. That is who he is. That's what we've been talking about and singing about all morning It goes on to say, when it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death, and that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life, a life that goes on and on and on, world without end. This is the God that we serve, church. I know that we've all asked that question or had that thought. Or maybe you've even experienced, and I know many of you have, where I did not know that God would be present in that moment, but he was. Who can relate to that? I never thought that God would meet me there after that decision or that experience that I chose for my life. I must say that in those moments where we actually thought that way, we've, we're mis, we misappropriated the nature of God. It's as if God is only available to the sacred, but nothing, church, could be further from the truth. Nothing is further. There's a, an aggressive forgiveness that the Lord desires to wash over those who choose to repent and choose to turn their hearts towards him and trust him again in their lives. It's almost like it's a map of where Jesus walked in relation to to people, places, and spaces that you will notice that he aggressively pursued. That was a physical picture of the nature of God pursuing our lives every day. The body proves this fact. Our own physical bodies, when you think of an injury, when, when, when an injury happens to the body, what happens? If there is, there, there is something, a cut or, 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 a, or a laceration of some sort or a massive bruise, the blood from everywhere, what? It rushes to the moment of vulnerability. I believe it's a wonderful picture of who Jesus is. And who the body of Christ is, how we are to be to each other when one is down or broken or in need of help. What do we do? We need to rush to the help and care of those that we love. It's this incredible understanding of God's family and his nature for our lives. With Jacob, he showed up no differently Even amongst his shortcomings, God's grace abounds, and he aggressively is involving himself in humanity. 
And the problem is, is that we suffer from the same thing that Jacob suffered from. We absolutely are convinced, based on performance at times, that we are getting what we deserve. This is what the enemy wants us to believe. He wants us to think this way, where we condemn ourselves, where we discourage ourselves, where we get overwhelmed by the things that we have been a part of. I have to ask this question as we close this morning. Are we at times surprised at where God actually is? I think the big answer is yes. We are. There's that physical, tangible, manifest moment that we read about in the New Testament when God himself came to earth in human form. And it's in that moment where he proves to each of us, to all humanity, that he is okay, that he is willing to get into the most uncomfortable places. That's how he entered this earth. Luke says it like this, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in the inn or for them in the inn. Do you think that was by accident? Do you think that God was like, oh, oops? Of course not. Everything that took place at Christ's birth at his conception and, his, and all through this beautiful story of Mary and Joseph that so many of us know about. When he arrived here on earth in human form, every detail was specifically planned out by God because he wanted to show us that he is okay with the uncomfortable that he's okay with being in the trenches, that he's okay with, with, with knowing and proving to all humanity that he came to serve, not to be served, that he came to pursue us and not for us to think that he is royalty and that that's all that he is. Even though he is all God and he's all glory, he is still all present with us, ready to serve in our lowest of moments. Where have you concluded in your heart that God cannot be is the question that I ask you as we conclude today. It's an amazing it's amazing how we're aware of everything else around us in our lowest of moments. We're aware of those that are angry at us. We're aware of how ashamed we are of ourselves. We're aware of, of what we've lost or we think we've lost. We're aware of, of, um, of what, uh, what potentially is around the corner. But the thing that we don't think about in those moments that we need to be thinking about the most is God's presence. And church, I want us to consider that today as we wrap up this introduction this morning, that when we dig into marriage and dig into relationship and dig into uh, the family of God and what it means to be sons and daughters' identity, as Cody talked about earlier, in Christ, what it means to walk with each other, what it means to have spiritual fathers and mothers, all of this wonderful category of conversation and dialogue,
let us not forget that in our dysfunction, God desires to make us whole. And in our weakness, he desires to restore and bring strength. And through this month, I am praying that healing will take place in relationship. I'm, I'm praying that, that we'll have a revelation of God's presence in our life as Jacob did on that day when he felt alone, lost, abandoned, and without nothing. The Lord showed up in a dramatic way. It's amazing how it took place. We have to recognize his presence when we are working towards building a family that lasts in and through our imperfection. We can all stand today as we close. I want to pray for each of you. You guys mind coming up? Be awesome. The presence of God is is one of the most incredible gifts that we have access to. And through the Holy Spirit there is there is that promise that that he that he came that he came to receive this supernatural relationship with humanity and in turn that we were to receive that supernatural relationship with him this friendship with the Holy Spirit and I believe that as we look at uh, our relationships and our hearts and our, our, our shortcomings in this chapter of life that there would be a resounding revelation of God's love and care for each of you. His his desire to, to make his way right to the front lines of your story, of your grief, of your doubt, of your regret, of your disconnect, whatever it is. And I need to remind us all that the Lord is present in that place. And the dysfunction that some of us are feeling and experiencing presently in our life, God says, I want to come and restore. And I want to come and bring to you a revelation of my grace. As we close today, I would love to pray for each of us, for those watching at home or listening later in this week. Can we just get into a posture of receiving whatever that looks like for you? But Father, I ask for all of us that the courage that we can experience from understanding your presence, the courage that we can we can take hold of for our life when we when we truly embrace your grace in our lives, the courage that we can have access to when we stop running from our mistakes and from our shortcomings and we stop and we say, 
Lord, I surrender. I give it back to you. Would you, would you take over? Would you take the lead in my marriage, in my family, in my career, in my pursuits of, of life? Lord, for every single one of us, where, where we, maybe in our heads, we know that you're present, but in our hearts and in our act, with our actions, we are showing the complete opposite. We are not, we are not showing that we recognize that you are present in that area. Would you give us, would you give me all, each and every one, the understanding and revelation and courage to say, God, I give you that space. Would you take over? Would you take over? Would you, would you surround my life like a shield? Would you restore what is broken? Would you bring healing to what has been lost? Would you revive these areas in my life? In amongst the dysfunction, Lord, I pray that we would find health. We would find health and healing for those that are looking for a second or third or fourth chance. Lord, would you rush in even right now would you rush in and just would just remind us that you are smiling and you're saying, yes, I'm here. I want to run with you. Let's do this together. Let's do this together. Would you restore the joy of our salvation, the joy of those moments where we put you first in every area, but yet we've over time and because of disappointment and experience have compartmentalized. Would you open up the floodgates of our life in every single space so that we can say yes to your guidance. I thank you for these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.